If a COVID vaccine gets approved before the end of the year, it will be in large part thanks to this doctor. Could we start by you introducing yourself, telling us who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I, I'm Uga Zahin. I'm a scientist, a CEO and co-founder of BioNTech. What? You're not going to say you're the inventor of the thing that could end this global pandemic? <laughs> no, I think this will come later. <laughs> <laughs> Today, Dr. Ugar Zahin and his team at BioNTech submitted their COVID vaccine for FDA approval. It's a big moment. What does submitting a vaccine for approval look like? It is at the end of the day, it's, if you want, it's an email, it's a transfer, it's a document transfer, and it's just about data, 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 and more data. Are you anxious about it? Absolutely, yes. Anxious and concentrated, fully concentrated in really focus mode and always asking what is next, dealing with the now and asking what is next. If his vaccine gets approved, it will be the fastest vaccine ever developed. Before, the record was about four years. Now, it could be less than one. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Friday, November 20th. Coming up on the show, how a visionary scientist used revolutionary technology to develop a COVID vaccine in record time. This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Looking to invest? Start your journey by exploring exchange-traded funds with Global X ETFs. Exchange-traded funds, or ETFs for short, create baskets of stocks, bonds, and other assets that you can buy in a single trade. Global X specializes in ETFs that track emerging trends, like the rise of artificial intelligence, as well as strategies aimed to generate income potential. Visit GlobalXETFs.com to discover how you can get started. Our colleague Boyan Panchevsky has been covering Dr. Zahin and his company BioNTech. The company is based in Germany, in a small city that's known as the birthplace of another inventor. BioNTech is based in the sort of West German city of Mainz. And I think the last time it was in the news was when uh, Gutenberg invented the printing press. He was namely from there. That's the fame that the city can claim <laughs> so far. BioNTech was founded in 2008 by Dr. Zahin and his co-founder and wife, Dr. Uslam Turechi. Tell me a little bit about Dr. Zahin and Dr. Turechi. They are the children of Turkish immigrants who came to Germany in the late 60s as part of a program to rebuild the country with foreign labor. And this program was called Gastarbeiter, or which means in German, guest workers. And Dr. Shahin is the son of a man who was recruited to work in a Ford factory near Cologne. He came here at the age of four. And Dr. Turecci was the daughter of a doctor who was also recruited to work at a Catholic-run hospital geographically in the same area of Germany. They both became doctors and met while working at the same hospital. Early on in their careers, they knew they wanted to focus on cancer research. Here's Dr. Zahin. 
I was interested from very early on as a young student to study our immune system. I was fascinated by the complexity of our immune system, by the ability of the immune system to recognize cancer cells. And I got very early on the idea to develop uh, treatments which could activate our immune system to kill cancer cells. In 2001, Dr. Zahin and Dr. Terechi started their first company, to develop cancer treatments. That venture proved successful. Eventually, they sold that company for $1.4 billion. But the money didn't change much for the couple. Dr. Shahin comes to work on a bike. He doesn't even have a driving license. They don't own a car. Are they kind of modest people? Oh, very modest. They are now among the 100 richest Germans, according to one listing. But they're incredibly modest. They do live in the same apartment they've always lived in. They didn't see fit to buy a house or an apartment with all that cash they've got. And their academic mentor told me he had never met in his life people who are so into their work. And I think that's something you really notice after a while, that they are very, very dedicated, very dedicated to medicine, very dedicated to their patients, very dedicated to their research, and certainly very dedicated to their company. Even before they sold their first company, the two started another venture the company we're talking about today, BioNTech. BioNTech was set up basically to revolutionize cancer treatment. Cancer medicine takes ages to get approved for use, and it takes a lot of experimenting and trialing and calibrating and recalibrating. In the words of their major investor, he said, Dr. Shahin is the visionary who can tell us what the future is of this research and this type of medicine. And then Dr. Turecci tells us how to get there. BioNTech's main focus has been fighting cancer, using a genetic technology named for a molecule called mRNA, or messenger RNA. But in late January, that focus changed. Can you talk me through the moment in January when you realized COVID was going to be a global pandemic? Yeah, since mid-January, there were information available that there is an outbreak in, in China, in Wuhan. I was not concerned because we have something like that every six months. But on January 24, I read a Lancet paper. And this was the first publication about this outbreak. And it described the outbreak and the disease and symptoms in a family, Chinese family, who traveled to Wuhan. And almost all members got ill. And it was clear that this is a fast-spreading virus. It was clear what kind of symptoms are happening. And it was clear that this is a new virus. What was most concerning is that one of the family members had the virus and was virus positive, but did not have symptoms. And this was most concerning because this crate opened the door that people can travel and transfer the virus to other regions on the planet. And I tried to understand how well Wuhan is connected to the rest of the world and recognize that there is a big international airport, that the city is connected to all mega cities in China by train. This gave just a pattern which is alarming. And I understood that this virus most likely has already spread outside of China and could become a pandemic. Were you scared? Yes, of course, I was scared because if you think about that, it is a situation where, where you know that something is happening and people are not yet realizing that. But the math behind it just 
showed me it will happen. Yeah, it's just a matter of a few weeks and we don't have much time to deal with that. Dr. Zahin suspected that the coronavirus would be bad, but he didn't know for sure how bad. What he did know was we would need a vaccine. It was at this moment, in January, that Dr. Zahin made a big decision. BioNTech was going to pivot to develop a COVID vaccine. This was a big gamble. It would require transforming the company. It would take a ton of resources and money, all of which required sign-off from his biggest investor. After a two-hour phone call, Dr. Zahin got it. Here's Boyan. He's very persuasive, I think, and he managed to persuade the investor that this is a great calamity in the making and that it is paramount for the company to sort of use the technology that they build over the years to quickly create a vaccine. With his investors' backing, Dr. Zahin set out to actually create a vaccine candidate. And since he was using his mRNA technology, all he needed was a computer. It's not a typical lab work you would imagine. This type of new age, sort of next generation vaccines are actually being designed on computers. He sat on his computer and started programming the new vaccine. And over that very first weekend, he designed 10 vaccine candidates. And the vaccine that we will likely see authorized, perhaps even this month or next month, was created within hours of Dr. Shahin sort of sitting down to, to start working on it. That's incredible. Yeah, it is absolutely incredible. Just days after he read about this new disease, on January 27th, Dr. Zahin took his 10 new vaccine candidates to the office and told the company his plan. He went to work on Monday and he broke the news to everyone at uh, the office that they are now largely shifting production and research to developing a coronavirus vaccine. And he told everyone to cancel their holidays. He asked them not to take public transport so not to get infected. And he sort of introduced a seven-day working week. He divided the staff into shifts, into groups. So if one group would become affected, the other group could sort of continue working on the same thing. But as much as Dr. Zahin felt the urgency of the moment, some of his staff did not. So you have just to imagine that it is January, just before Carnival in Germany. So everyone is relaxed, uh, life is easy. And there is now the situation in our company that we are expecting something bad is going to happen. After two days, I realized that there is not as much activity as I expected. So I asked um, my key members to come in individually. Yeah? And I had conversations. It was just a five to ten minutes conversation. And I said, see, two days ago I told you yeah, and that we are going to run into the worst pandemic in the last 50 years. And I don't feel that you understood that because you would not behave in this manner. I mean that really serious. And it helped because I was talking to the best in our team. Yeah? And if you are able to convince them, then they are also able to convince the others. With his staff on board, Dr. Zahin gave this initiative a name, Project Lightspeed. Here's Boyan. Because we will do it so quickly that we'll have a vaccine before the end of the year. And that was an incredibly bold statement to make at the time. You have to know that the world record for a functioning vaccine is nearly five years. It's sort of four and a half years. 
that's the sort of record time that anyone serious in science was considering as, as possible. So, you know, there was a lot of disbelief. And I think the decision that Dr. Shahin made was, it was a visionary move. And also it was, obviously he took a great risk because he had developed the technology for something entirely different. So there was no way of knowing that it would work for this particular virus. There was no way of knowing that he could scale up the whole production. There was no way of knowing how quickly this could be happening and whether it's not, you know, a complete waste of time for a company like that to sort of shift resources and make these incredible strategic investments. But the story of his and Dr. Turecci's entrepreneurship is a story of risk-taking. He took the risk. It was a huge leap of faith. It was a huge investment. And then as time went on, the investment sort of grew exponentially like the virus. Dr. Zahin and his company were basically all in. But if he was going to create a vaccine to stop a global pandemic, he was going to need some help. After the break, Dr. Zahin looks for a partner. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. Hiring with Indeed, your search is over. With over 350 million global monthly visitors and candidate matching technology, Indeed helps you find quality candidates fast. As a listener of this show, Indeed is giving you a £100 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash thejournalpod. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Dr. Zahin believed he had the technology to make an effective COVID vaccine. But BioNTech, as a company, didn't have the size to get that vaccine tested and manufactured at the scale and speed it needed to. And that's what led Dr. Zahin to link up with a company that he'd worked with before, the giant U.S.-based drug company Pfizer. So on the 1st of March, I think, he called Katrin Janssen, who is in charge of the vaccine program with, with Pfizer. And he said, he asked her, would you like to work with me on my new project, which is basically I'm making a vaccine for coronavirus. And interestingly, Dr. Janssen didn't really ask any follow-up questions. She just said, yes, absolutely. This is the most important thing that we'll ever do, probably. And in record time, they managed to forge this contract they have. And essentially, the deal is to split costs and revenues down the middle. So it's 50-50 for both companies. Pfizer is a major pharmaceutical company. Why do they need to team up with Dr. Zahin and BioNTech to make this vaccine? It's kind of brain and muscle. Pfizer is a giant, but it doesn't have, for example, this type of innovation. Innovation happens typically in smaller companies. Essentially, Pfizer needed BioNTech because BioNTech had the vaccine, and BioNTech needed Pfizer because Pfizer had the global network to make it happen. Pfizer undertook to organize the so-called phase three trials, 
which are the most important trials. They involve, in this case, around 44,000 people around the world who were injected with the vaccine and they had to be monitored and the data had to be collected and analyzed. And I think uh, Pfizer had the capacity to do that really well. What BioNTech is doing is truly innovative. They're using a technology called messenger RNA, or mRNA. So any vaccine will try and create immunity in the body to the particular pathogen it's targeting. Let's say if you take a bog-standard influenza vaccine, a flu jab, the influenza vaccine will just trick your body into believing that it has been infected with influenza. Traditionally, vaccines teach the body how to fend off a virus by using a neutralized version of that virus. The body will create an immune response, antibodies, and then the next time your body gets infected with the virus, it will be able to fend it off. But the BioNTech vaccine does something different. Instead of using a neutralized version of the virus, it sends messengers, the M in the mRNA. And those messengers tell your body how to fight the virus. No need to develop a weakened virus, which can take years. The mRNA vaccine relies on the natural chemistry in your body to protect you from the virus. Has this mRNA technique ever worked before? It has worked in trials to an extent, not for something like this. It has worked for various other things, but it has never been used outside of clinical trials and it has never been authorized for use by any regulator. So this will be an absolute first and this will be an absolute innovation in that sense. Dr. Zahin's COVID vaccine isn't the only contender using this technique. Another company, Moderna, is also close to applying for FDA approval for its mRNA COVID vaccine. Both have been 95% effective in their trials. And Dr. Zahin is confident in his vaccine's safety. How worried are you, if at all, that we don't know whether there are any long-term consequences to mRNA vaccines? I'm not so worried because mRNA is really a natural molecule. What we are delivering as a vaccine is from the chemistry, exactly what we have in our bodies. Yeah? So we are delivering something which will be active for a certain time and then completely disappear because it will fall into pieces. And this happened to every mRNA that we have in our body. I'm doing research with messenger RNA for more than 20 years. Yeah? And we are treating cancer patients uh, with messenger RNA since almost eight years. We have a lot of experience and the science and the clinical experience that we had so far really is in favor of that this is a safe type of molecule. If his vaccine is approved in the U.S., Dr. Zahin, his company, and Pfizer all stand to make millions of dollars, not just from orders, but from the intellectual property. When Jonas Salk, the creator of the polio vaccine, was asked who owned the vaccine, he said, the people, I would say. There is no patent. Could you patent the sun? Should anyone own the patent to the coronavirus vaccine? So it uh, would be unacceptable, completely unacceptable, if someone has a patent and due to this patent, a vaccine is not allowed to be done. 
So we are a biopharmaceutical company. We have a lot of patents. We are working on messenger RNA since 20 years. Yeah. And we will don't care in the pandemic phase to inhibit any of our potential competitors to make a vaccine. But on the other side, this vaccine or this technology would not be there if there are not investors investing millions, many millions uh, to develop a technology. And they do that, of course, knowing that there are patents allowing this company to protect their IP. So it's not a bad thing to have patents, but it is a bad thing if the patents would create a situation where we can't help people. And this should never happen. Hundreds of millions of doses have already been ordered. This will make you a lot of money. What are you going to do with that? We, the company, uh, will for sure invest the money in development of new vaccines and cancer immunotherapies. So do you see the potential success of a coronavirus vaccine as helping the other part of your business, the cancer research that you've been working on for so long? Yes, of course. So we, we use also messenger RNA in the cancer immunotherapy field. We have multiple cancer vaccines for prostate cancer, for lung cancer, for melanoma. These are all uh, based on a similar technology, not the exact technology, but on a similar technology. And it would, of course, promote and uh, help to accelerate the development of these cancer vaccines. For Dr. Zahin, his big pivot is closer than ever to paying off. How does that feel? Exciting. <laughs> Absolutely exciting, yes. <laughs> it's like a terrible thing to have been right about your prediction that this would be a global pandemic. But the fact that you predicted it has created this outcome where we now have a vaccine. It's sort of bittersweet. Yes, absolutely. I think it's important to deal with the threat and with the danger early on before it's too late. We should not close our eyes if we are confronted with something which could change our lives. And so we need to address that. The earlier, the better. How will you celebrate the moment when the vaccine is approved? Ah, it's a good question. I, I have no idea so far. <laughs> are you just going to worry about the next thing? No, I think sometimes you should have a minute of celebration. How do you celebrate? No, I, I don't want to think about that. Let's see if this happens. The FDA is expected to move quickly to review Dr. Zahin's COVID vaccine. Depending on the timing of that approval, Pfizer has said the vaccine could begin distribution as early as the middle of December. That's all for today, Friday, November 20th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Your hosts are Ryan Knudsen and me, Kate Leinbaugh. The show is produced by Katherine Brewer, Gerard Cole, Pia Godkari, Annie Minoff, Afif Nasuli, Ricky Nevetsky, Enrique Perez, Sarah Platt, Willa Rubin, Annie Rose Strasser, and Rob Zipko. Our engineers are Griffin Tanner and Nathan Singapok. Our theme music is by So Wiley. Additional music this week from John Kimbrough, Peter Leonard, Billy Libby, Bobby Lord, Emma Munger, Blue Dot Sessions, and So Wiley. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasulka. Thanks for listening. See you Monday.